James. Uh, James is uh, a pastor at the Church of Jerusalem. He writes this book to, uh, at that time it's not a book, it's really a letter. It's being circulated around to different churches. It would go from church to church to church. Uh, It's one of the first books that the early church would have had. So it's one of the first times that people are starting to learn what this thing Christianity looks like. So a lot of what James is talking about is, look, this is what genuine faith looks like. And he's been sharing a lot of things with us. It's the idea that it applies the word of God. It's the idea that it's a servant. It's quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's the idea of um, it handles temptations. It's the idea that it is, and we're going to talk a little bit about this today, it's sincere. It's it's without hypocrisy. It talks about the idea last week. We we talked about this idea of it. It takes a good look at the tongue. Um, one of the things that you're going to learn that you see over and over in the book of James is James focuses on this thing of, look, if you're a genuine Christian, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, your life should look like Jesus Christ. Your action should match your words. And he's going to, you're going to see this even more today. He get, he's going to keep hammering this over and over and over again about, look, it's not just what you say, it's about what you do and what you say and what you do have to match. And so we're going to jump into it today. We talked last week a lot about the tongue, about how we speak, that one of the, the ways that we look at what's in our heart is we look at what's coming out of our mouth. And that it's important that we really take a good hard look at our speech because that is a good reflection. Like I say, the average person... 7,000 words a day. Um, it's pretty hard to control 7,000 words. Uh, so what James is saying is what's going to happen is those words that are going to come out are going to be what's in your heart. So watch your heart, protect your heart. So this morning, he's going to piggyback off that a little bit. and He's going to talk about this idea of wisdom. Now, what's interesting is when we look at wisdom in the scripture, um, there are over 300 times in the Bible wisdom is talked about. Uh, There's over 100 just in the book of Proverbs. And the idea is that this wisdom, and again, in this culture, in this Greek-Roman world, uh, wisdom was something that everybody was pursuing. Everybody was was trying to listen to philosophers, and everybody was trying to seek wisdom. And and there was this idea behind how you um, organize, how you, you live your life. Because the reality of it is, every one of us make choices based on what we know, or the wisdom the understanding that we've acquired in life. And so James is going to take a look at that this morning. So here we go. Uh, Jumping into it, here's what it says. James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by the deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. James says, okay, let's just talk about this idea of wisdom real quick. And he says, who is wise? It's actually a word that has the idea um, of knowledge. Knowledge. speculative knowledge, actually. Um, Those of you who are older will appreciate this. This is the difference between somebody who's worked for a company for 20 years and somebody who gets hired who has a degree. And they come in, and they think they know how to do it all because they have wisdom, theoretical knowledge. Okay? That's the idea. He says, look, there's something past that. But he says, and that's why he adds this idea of understanding. That's the, that's the more specialized per, part of it. That person who's been with that company 20 years, they've got understanding 
of how it really works. Most of them do. Um, whereas the young people coming in, they have book knowledge. And as you know, as well as I know, um, you know, one of the things I had to learn in the ministry was um, I basically had to take about 90% of what I learned in college and throw it out and start all over. Uh, because a lot of what I had was sounded great in theory. But when you really tried to practice it out, it just didn't work. Uh, because it really wasn't sourced in that, that practical understanding part of it. And then he, it's interesting, he says, let him show up by the good life of deeds done in humility. Actually, the word's gentleness. Um, think of it as a wild horse that's been broken. That's the idea. That, that horse, as it's wild, can't contribute a lot to the farm or to the agriculture world that they were in at that time. But when you can break it and you can tame it and you can control it, now it becomes a huge asset to the farm. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if, if you and I can figure this thing out, as far as wisdom goes, it can become a huge asset in our lives and we can have a life of, ultimately, here's what he's going to say, righteousness. And James is going to talk about this idea. There's a circle that happens here, okay? So try to follow me on this. What happens is wisdom gives understanding. Understanding helps you to make wise choices. When you make wise choices, that produces a balanced, healthy lifestyle. When you start balancing out your lifestyle, all of a sudden what happens is you now have a sense of humility about you because you're, you're not dealing with the mistakes so many other people are. And so you want to go get more wisdom, and when you get more wisdom, it gives more understanding, which makes better choices, which makes better lifestyle, and it's a circle. It's just continuous. This is what James is talking about. He's saying, look, if you want to really learn how to live life like you really want what you really want from life, he said... It's about wisdom, and it's about applying that wisdom with understanding, and as you start to apply that wisdom with understanding, that starts to help you make better choices. Kids, listen to me. The reason people are on your case is because we don't want you to make the mistakes we've made. Because here's what you'll learn. There are some choices that you make that you end up paying a lifetime for. And we want to try to help you not make those. It's not that we're trying to ruin your life. It's not that we're trying to make sure that you have no fun. We're trying to make sure it's just the opposite. We're trying to make sure that, like he talks about, you can show your deeds by your good life. You can look back on your life and go, boy, I'm glad I didn't make the mistakes that some of my friends made. And James says, look, in order to do that, you have to understand that you need to follow godly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. So listen to what he says next. He's going to go into this. He says, if you harbor, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such quote-unquote wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. James says, there are two types of wisdom out there. In a minute, he's going to talk about godly wisdom. Here he talks about earthly wisdom. And notice how he describes it. He says, it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. He says, look, there's a wisdom out there that, first of all, he said, it's not from heaven, it's earthly. In other words, it's all centered on here and now. 
It's all centered on the things of this earth. Again, kids, listen to me, and adults as well. I mean, we are surrounded by a world that focuses on now. And you're being programmed that way. You text something, and somebody doesn't text you back, you're in panic mode. Why? Because you want an answer now. And you're, you're in this world in which everything is so focused on now, it's easy for that to start to shape the way you make decisions. So you can't see past the end of the road. I mean, you're not looking down the road. All you're looking at is the here and now. And I deal with so many teenagers or young people who make decisions based on here and now. And James says that, that's earthly wisdom. It's going to end up producing bitter envying and selfish ambition in your heart. We'll get to that in a second. He said, it's also unspiritual. It takes no account into the spiritual things. What does God say about something? Um, what does God say about how you handle money? What does God say about how you handle your, your marriage? What does God say about how you raise kids? What does God say about how you uh, treat cashiers? The Bible has a lot to say about that. What does God say about how you do your job at work? See, earthly wisdom doesn't think about any of that. Earthly wisdom is all focused on me and now, and what am I going to get out of it? And what did they do to me? And if they did this to me, then I'm going to do this to them. And if that, that employer not doing this, then I'm going to go do this. And da-da. James says that's, that, that, that it's, it's and he, demonic. He said that, that, that's Satan's thinking. Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. The things that are going to come out of this are not going to be helpful to your life. In fact, notice how he describes it. Better envying. It's going to always make you want more. It's always going to look at that person and say, I want what they have. You're never going to be satisfied when you start pursuing earthly wisdom. It's never going to be enough. Contentment is a word that doesn't exist in that world. And selfish ambition. It's all going to be about you. It's all going to be about how you think you, you are perceived. We'll get, we'll get into this when I get into some applications in a minute. It's all going to be about you. It's all going to be about what, what, what about me and what about me and how come they didn't do this to me and this person did this to me. And, he, and James says, that kind of thing is going to destroy you. That's what Satan did. That, that, that was the original fall of Satan is when Satan came and said, I want to be like God. He's got something that I want. James said, this is, this is going to hurt you. And then he goes on and he reiterates it. He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, said you find disorder in every evil practice. It's going to add a tremendous amount of confusion to your life when you start following earthly wisdom. And you think about how messed up stuff is today. How much confusion there is. Why? Because that, it's sourced in earthly wisdom. What do you expect? I mean, Satan's main goal is to just add confusion to your life. That's why... So often in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, it starts out with the words grace and peace unto you. Notice what he says, but however, there is a wisdom that comes from above, a different kind of wisdom. It is pure. It is peace-loving. It is considerate. It is submissive. It figures out a way to get along. It's full of mercy. It has good fruit. By the way, this is contrasted with in earlier in chapter 3 where he talks about speech that is full of deadly poison. 
versus good fruit? Impartial. Um, the idea is that, and we talked about this, is it, it's not a respecter of persons. And sincere. It's a fascinating idea right there. Peacemakers. That's a tough verse to understand. Peacemakers who sow in peace harvest of righteousness. It's kind of tough to put it all together when we try to translate in English. Here's basically what it means. If you can learn to live like this, you'll reap the kind of life you really want. A life of righteousness, a life that's made right decisions, a life that you look back on and there's not a lot of regret. A life that has peace, not disorder and chaos and confusion. Um, I like that word, sincere. Um, um, one of the things that's interesting is that word sincere, actually, in the, the Latin history of this word is fascinating. In the Greek-Latin world, uh, there was a lot of, particularly during the Renaissance period, there was a lot of sculptures that were made. Um, and every once in a while, um, you know, I like I say, my, I do redneck TV, and, and one of the shows that I'm watching right now is a chainsaw carving competition show. And um, once in a while, they'll, they'll nick a thing, and they'll have to, but you went, I didn't know there was one on there. Talk to me later. There's all kinds of really cool shows. But anyway, um, so they would patch it in with sawdust and, and, and fix it. Well, in that deal, they dealt with sculptures, and they would go with marble or stone. So they'd be chipping away or something, and a chip would come out on a spot that they needed. And so now all of a sudden, they'd either scrap the sculpture, or what they would do is they would go get wax, and they would find wax that, made, that matched the color of the stone, and they would put it in there. So you'd go to the store, and you would buy this, and then you'd take it home, and you'd put it in your garden, and then the sun would come out, and the wax would melt, and you would see the flaws. So one of the things that happened is people would start labeling their sculptures or labeling the stuff that they had carved sincere, without wax. So you knew that what you were buying was exactly what you were getting. It wasn't something that had been patched. And James, the idea here with this idea of sincere is, as a Christian, you are exactly what you're supposed to be. It's not like you're one person when you're here and you're another person out in the world. James says, no, no, no. You want the kind of life that is sincere. This is without wax. You want the kind of life that's impartial. You want the kind of life of righteousness where you can look back on wise choices that you've made because you followed godly wisdom, not human wisdom. All right, that's the passage. So now let's talk about it for us this week. Here's the bottom line. You're going to make a bunch of choices this week. Some of those aren't going to be that big a deal. Snickers or... Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Which one? Um, not a life or death deal. You go, yes, it is. If you would eat healthy, it would... Okay, you can have, we'll have that discussion later. But Reese's is a sticker. There are other decisions that you're going to make that are just as small, but they have a much more powerful impact. How are you going to talk to your spouse today? And that cumulative over time is going to produce a world of disorder or it's going to produce a world of righteousness. In other words, the choices that you make shape where you're going to end up. 
And it is so important that we step back and we ask ourselves, what kind of choices am I making? Are my choices based on what the world says, earthly wisdom, or on what God says? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had discussions with people trying to argue with me on earthly wisdom. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand how that, what they did to me and how they treated me. No, I don't. But Jesus says, forgive as you've been forgiven. Yeah, but you don't understand. And we get into this circular thing about, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but. You know what that means? That means exclude everything I just said. You don't care what the Bible says. Because if you cared what the Bible said, you'd follow godly wisdom. But if you want to continue to reject godly wisdom, don't be surprised 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line when you're reaping all of that earthly wisdom that you followed. There are two types, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And listen, wise believers do what Corinthians talk about, where we filter everything through the Word of God. So let me throw out some earthly wisdom that's being perpetuated in our culture. And I want you to really think about this morning from the perspective of what what does God have to say about something? Um, Those of you who are younger, um, don't turn me off until you hear everything I'm going to say. Okay? Because you have been bombarded with the world of earthly wisdom, and you're, you're getting it from so many sources. Here's one. You do you, I'll do me. That's satanic. You do you, I'll do me. You know why? Because here's what you're forgetting. You doing you impacts me. You doing you impacts other people. You doing you impacts your parents, your grandparents, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your neighbors, your coworkers, your kids you go to school with. You doing you is deadly. And yet we're in a culture which says, it's okay. You do you, I'll do me. No. You can't live as an island to yourself. You don't get that option if you're part of humanity. Everything you do has an impact on other people. And you have to remember that. So you going out and doing whatever you want to do has an impact. It is a choice you're making that impacts other people. So here's my question. Where do you combat that with the biblical idea of you love your neighbor as yourself? You think about how you impact other people. Here's another one. Um, you need to accept me as I am. Um, This is a really popular one in the LGBTQ plus community. Well, you just need to, and here's the irony to me. This is what bugs me so much. When you talk to people in that mindset, here's what they will tell you. I am inclusive. I include everybody. Okay. 
I don't agree with you. I reject you. What happened to your inclusive worldview? Where you accept everybody as they are. And here's the craziness. You're coming to me saying, you accept me as I am, as I see myself, as I perceive myself. But I don't have to change, but you do. I see. So let me get this correct. I have to change my belief and worldview system to adapt your new reality. And if I don't, you will reject me. Really? Because I'll accept you as you are, but I'm not necessarily going to play the game with you. And so everybody gets, you know, as soon as we talk about LGBTQ plus people, everybody gets all bent out of shape about it. So let me, let me take it outside the realm of um, sexuality, and, and let me try to give you a really practical answer. Do you know what my legal title is? Reverend, actually the Reverend, James Gordon Thomas, Jr. That is my legal official title on paperwork with the government. Reverend James Gordon Thomas, Jr. What if I decided to go around and I said, every time you, I, I talk to you, I said, if you, I would prefer that you address me by my legal name, the Reverend James Gordon Thomas, Jr. And so you come up and say, hey, PJ, it's Reverend James Gordon Thomas, Jr. Uh, hey, Jim, uh, stop, wait a minute. Before we go any further with this phone call, it's Reverend James Gordon Thomas, Jr. Now, what's going to happen after about five minutes of that? You're not going to want to talk to me anymore. And I could very easily look at you and say, you're rejecting me. No, I just don't want to play the silly game. I don't care what you call me. I've been called Reverend, I've been called Reverend Thomas, I've been called Reverend James, I've been called Pastor Jim, I've been called PJ, I've been called Jim, James, Jimmy. Um, There's all kinds of, I don't care what you call me. Just make sure I have your attention. But I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to get so hung up. I'm not going to be so narcissistic. And by the way, that's what this is, where I make it all about me, and how you have to address me. Why? That's a self-centered world. You know where that ends? Doesn't. Confusion and chaos. So all of a sudden now we have, and, and you know, some of you are in this world where I really feel sorry for you because your corporation or the company you work for is now on your case to address people by their proper pronouns because unfortunately, because of the legal environment that we're in in this country, you have to play that game. We're told you need to accept me as I am. I can accept you as you are and still disagree with you. Case in point, my wife. I love her more than anybody in this world. She is dead wrong at times. (laughs) Absolutely dead wrong. I disagree with her completely. We have an ongoing disagreement right now. 
And, and, and it will never end because I'm going to hold my ground and she's going to hold her ground. And you know what? It makes no difference. It's just fun for me to poke the bear once in a while. Um, and it's one of those things where we, we're never going to agree there. We're never going to agree. I love her to death. I can accept. I don't, but bec- if I don't want to play your game, don't look at that as a, because you know what? If you keep looking at me going, you, if I keep looking at you going, you've got to call me Reverend James Gordon Thomas Jr. Eventually, you're going to get frustrated and just stop. It has nothing to do with Bible. It just has to do with common sense kind of thing. We get, we get bombarded with, we talk to do what you love. What if you can't pay the bills? We've raised a whole generation of kids where we've told them, okay, you need to decide to go to college here. Tell me what you love to do. Will you go pursue that? So we got kids who have racked up all kinds of tremendous college debt who can't pay bills because they pursued something that they love, but there's no market for it. And we shake our heads going, oh, we feel so sorry for them. No, no, no. It goes all the way back to a choice where there was a human earthly philosophy which taught them, you go do what you love. You know what? You do what you love if it can pay the bills and if it can support your lifestyle. I love glass blowing, but you know what? I, I know enough about glass blowing to know the reality. And I wouldn't quit preaching to go blow glass, but there are days. But, um, I mean... I, 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 and I know the level of person that it's going to take in order to make it as a sustainable business where they can pay themselves and live off of that. And, and, and we have people, you know, look, never quit. Never give up on your dream. Look, let's be real. I will never be a professional football player. Ever. I don't care how much I dream it. I don't care how much I want it. I don't care how I work for it. I don't care what I do with it. It will never, ever happen. And we have, we have kids who we're just pushing them with these ideas of, oh, no, no, just pursue your dream. Just go for it and go for it and go for it. And, and there's no touch of reality with it. This is crazy. But you know what? That's exactly what he's saying. That's where earthly wisdom ends up. That's where earthly wisdom will get you. What I want to challenge you with is this idea of look at how you're making your choices. Look at what wisdom you're pursuing. The contrast to that is godly wisdom. Here's a couple things I've learned in, in, in my journeys through this Christian life thing. Most of the time, godly wisdom is opposite earthly wisdom. In fact, in the teaching of Jesus, is often paradoxical. The way up is down, first is last. It's often the opposite. Um, the world will tell you if somebody hurts you, get even. God says don't. Turn the other cheek. But, if, but they'll take advantage of me. Well, which way do you want to live? Godly wisdom, earthly wisdom. Your call. One ends up one place, one ends up another place. And James says, look, you've got to understand this, this godly wisdom, it's from above, it's peaceable. 
It looks for solutions. It doesn't just keep picking apart problems. It's, it's agreeable. Boy, there's a word that, that is, um, <laughs> there's a word that, it, it doesn't have this idea of arrogance. Uh, it's fascinating. One of the words that he uses in this passage, when you, originally when it started out, it had this, uh, this, this word selfish ambition. When it originally started out, it was about, so, it was a sewing term um, where they would make thread. Then later, it turned into be, if you, you were an arrogant person if you made thread for somebody else. Then, it evolved to go a little bit farther. Then, if you worked for somebody else and made living from somebody else's paying you to do something, you were arrogant. And then, this is my favorite part, then it became a political term where you were arrogant if you were a politician. Um, and it had this idea of you were doing something for somebody else. And, and, and James says, look, you got to understand, this humanistic, this, this human wisdom thing ends up there. It ends up being all about you. Selfish ambition, all that kind of stuff. But James says, look, mature faith, real faith, goes to the word of God, follows godly wisdom, follows the things that God teaches. Um, I'm going to illustrate it close with this. Um, this has been a project that my granddaughter and I have been working on. So I'll tell you the story. I was at Harbor Freight buying some paintbrushes because I don't like cleaning paintbrushes. I like throw them away at the end. I'm in America, and I'm able to do that. So anyway, um, and I see a guy in the store with his kid, or with his kid. His kid was carrying around one of these things. He was carrying around this. He was carrying around one of these things. And he just, he was holding on to it. He was so proud of it. So I finally walked up to him and I said, hey, I said, I have a granddaughter about your age. Where'd you get that? And the guy says, oh, they're right over here. And he, he walked me all the way over down a couple aisles over and walked me over and said, here, they're right here. Um, and I looked at them and they were a buck fifty each. Um, and they had all different kinds. Um, here's some of the eyes. This is the sea turtle. We have it up here. Um, this is the shark. They, they were out of the shark. I didn't get the shark. Um, uh, and this is the seahorse. We haven't put this one together yet. It's right here. So what happened was, Claire comes over to our house after school. We have about 45 minutes an hour with her. And I said, Claire, let's put them together. So every day we've been doing one all week. What it is, is it's, it, it's made out of wood, and you punch these out, and there's a little piece of sandpaper, and the instructions for the entire thing are right there. In micro-pica writing. So I said, Claire, if Grandpa's going to help you, go get my glasses, my reading glasses. So the way we do it, we sit down on the floor. I say, find A1. I said, it's on this sheet. It's up in the top corner. And she punches it out, and we, we then go to A1. And then we look at this thing, and we figure out where A1 is and how the... Now, we did really good until we got to the monkey. And at the monkey, I'd had a long day. And... We're halfway through the monkey, and the monkey is different because it's got two parts that you have to put together into one, and I got the one part done, and I started getting confused on the second part, and I said, Claire, Grandpa cannot do any more monkey today. I said, we're going to put the monkey away. Tomorrow we're going to come back, and we will start fresh at it because Grandpa is as confused as he can get right now on that. I said, I need time to just look at these instructions and try to figure out how this monkey goes together. So anyway, 
And the next day, she came home from school. We got the monkey out, got him together. He's really cool. So, um, but here's the idea. Do you know that if I just took this, there's no, nothing in here is stamped as far as what it is or where it goes. Can you imagine what they would look like if I said, real men don't need instructions? I can do this, honey. We're not going to depend on instructions. Those are for people who aren't smart. Do you know, a, first of all, the monkey would still be in pieces, and it would not look like a monkey, okay? Not in any way, shape, or form. I, I almost thought about this week trying to do one without, and, and I thought, no, I don't have that kind of patience. So anyway, I might get it to look like it's supposed to look. Maybe, but I guarantee you it'll take a whole lot more time than this. There'll be a whole lot more mistakes, and chances are good. It ain't going to turn out like it's supposed to. You can follow the wisdom of this world, which says, do your own thing, figure it out yourself. You don't need anybody else. Probably ain't going to turn out well. Going to be a lot of mistakes along the way. Going to be a lot of tearing it apart, putting it back together, tearing it apart, putting it back together, maybe breaking a piece or two, trying to glue it back together to put it back together. Can be a lot of that. Or you can open it up, you can follow the instructions, even when the instructions don't make sense. Because I'm telling you, if you put together the monkey, the instructions don't make sense. But when all of a sudden you get A done and B done, and then you go, and then it goes, A goes like this, and you put it together. It's like, it looks like a monkey. Amazing. It looks like a monkey. Some of you are trying to run life without following instruction. You're listening to human wisdom rather than God. Instead of going to God's word and saying, what does God say? And that's what we're going to do. Um, Years ago, my wife and I, sat down and decided that the biblical teaching on debt was pretty clear. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to try to get to a point where we are debt-free. We're not quite there yet, but we'll be there within the next six months. It has taken us almost 10 years in that project to get where we want to be. It's been a whole series of small decisions all along the way. Let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. In order to get to a point, because we went back to Scripture and said, what does Scripture say about this stuff? In our marriage, we had messed it up. I I had messed it up for about six years. And I finally said, okay, let's do exactly what God says. I gathered around me godly men who had great marriages. And I said, help me. If I'm getting off base, you help me. I look at our marriage now, and I realize it's a result of those people and those decisions. I say this to say what James is saying here is, if you really want a life of peace, of righteousness, of the way life should end up, then you do it with godly wisdom. And you follow it whether it makes sense to you or not. 
How you speak to your spouse every day makes a big difference. How you speak to your kids every day makes a big difference. How you speak to your coworkers every day makes a big difference. Well, you don't understand what that company did, and I'm mad at them, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stop. Human wisdom, godly wisdom. Which one? Teenagers, college kids, young, young marrieds, listen to me. You're at a point right now where in a lot of these areas you have a blank page in front of you. Follow godly wisdom. But you don't understand, it won't give me what I want now. That's human wisdom. You don't understand. If, if, if I do, it's hard right now. I understand. As I tell people often, do the hard things now, it gets easier. Do the easy things now, it gets harder. Your call. But for those of us that have seen life up close and personal for a long time, and for those of us who have the emotional, spiritual baggage from bad decisions and having to work through those to get back to good decisions, you know, trust me. When we give you advice, when we try to help you along the way, it's not to make your life worse, it's to make your life better. So I just want to challenge you this week. I end with this idea. Here's what will happen. This week you'll be faced with numerous decisions. You can listen to the loud voices of the world that are going to focus on the immediate, the physical, and the current thinking. But the mature believer is going to focus on the wisdom that comes from God. Your choices are often going to go in the opposite direction of the world. In following God's wisdom, you will find peace and a path that is righteous and pleasing to God. You will learn to live for an audience of one, and that is pleasing your Heavenly Father. Choose wisely this week, because it will shape where you will be 10 years from now, if the Lord tarries. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Easy to be sucked into this world system, easy to be sucked into the thinking of this world. Lord, may we weigh our thoughts and our decisions and our actions with the clear things that you teach. Lord, may we genuinely follow you with our whole heart. May we be really careful in looking at the way we think and that we would think in ways to bring honor and glory to you. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing.